goal on the ERLC podcast is to help you think biblically about today's cultural issues. As we discuss important topics that matter to Southern Baptists, you might have additional questions. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at erlcpodcast at erlc.com and let us know how you're processing the conversations featured on the podcast. And just a reminder, we want to make sure you're kept up to date about the important work the ERLC is doing on behalf of Southern Baptists. The best way to do that is by joining us at erlc.com backslash updates. Signing up for email updates allows you to hear directly from us about our work and the ways we're serving you on the issues that matter most to Southern Baptists. Become an email subscriber at erlc.com backslash updates. That's erlc.com backslash updates. God is a holy God, and He is serious about us walking in holiness. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. The Bible says, woe to those who isolate themselves or who don't have anyone there to pick them up when they fall down. The gospel hope is that we believe in a God who is engaged with His Son. I have had to come to terms with the fact that I live in a broken world. And I live in a broken body. What if the one thing that we're praying for God to take away is the one thing he's using to make us more like Jesus? Welcome to the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell, Director of Community Outreach for the ERLC. We are doing a series on our podcast called How to Handle. We're thinking about different topics that affect the church, that affect communities, but that we don't always talk about um, with flesh and blood. In other words, it's kind of a theory or it's out there or maybe we're reading articles, but we want to think about the people who we want to care for people made in the image of God. And so today we are going to tackle a topic that is incredibly difficult, but I'm excited to have Rachel White, founder and executive director of Her Song Jacksonville Incorporated on the program today. And she's also a state licensed therapist. Her organization helps victims of sex trafficking. And so Rachel, thank you so much for being on. It is my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here with you today, Trillium. Well, tell us a little bit about what you do and maybe how you became inspired to tackle this um, on a local level, which I think is really important because sometimes when we think of sex trafficking, we think international. But we need to realize that it's happening in our backyards. It's happening in the United States and right under our noses often. So help us um, get a vision for your organization and why you decided to start it. Okay. I was first exposed to human trafficking of girls and women in the U.S. when I heard a story on the radio. And as a licensed therapist focused on women's health, I was appalled that this was right in our backyard. I began working with victims in our city on a volunteer basis and just saw this unimaginable pain and suffering um, of the human spirit. And I learned very quickly that trauma often keeps these young ladies stuck and that services were inadequate and disconnected. And really, more importantly, I just saw the devastation of human life. Mm. You know, human trafficking is pure evil and the degradation of body, mind, and soul Mm. is 
really egregious and it's shocking just to witness, um, you know, what it does to a person. And so as a Christ follower, I could not turn away from what God was showing me in my own community Mm. and um, took a courageous step with a lot of support and a lot of prayer and accepted a call to go into this problem in our community with, with His light and His love. And I founded her song Jacksonville in 2013 with a mission of providing healing homes where women can go and where they can move from rescue to recovery to reintegration. Mm-hmm. And so we started building alliances with law enforcement and um, other community service pri- providers to help create a pathway out for women. And so that's what her song does. Excellent. And you use the word human trafficking. I use the word sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason um, for that? Is there something that distinguishes those two words? Well, we find that, you know, women are also trafficked and held in servitude oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And so while we do focus in sex trafficking, you know, human trafficking is a broader term, and there's different kinds of human trafficking, and we just see it as often it's a quagmire, often someone who's, you know, lured in, and maybe they're working, you know, in farm fields and uh, harvesting crops. Maybe they're raped repeatedly at night. So it's not a really cut and dry, you know, um, I guess, Label. So we tend to use human trafficking because it's a broader sweep and we understand that there's all kinds of things going on beneath the surface. One of the things that, I, I mean, I shuddered as you described someone being raped throughout the night. I just, oh, mm. I just, it grieves my soul. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that um, I'd like to help our listeners understand is how do you define this? In other words, what does it look like in our backyard? So it seems like it could be easier to visualize an international sex trafficking ring. Mm -hmm. But in our own backyard, what does this look like? What are some of the things we need to be aware of? And why is this important for the church to consider? Mm. Well, <laughs> those are big questions. I hope <laughs> that I can answer them. Um, sure. You know, human trafficking is, a, is an incredibly complex problem. And I think it's important for the church to consider really two things. I think we agree across the body of Christ from various, you know, sectors of the Christian faith that human life is precious. And human trafficking victims need Christ, and they need the nurturing fellowship of the body. And and the reason is because human trafficking is really the devil's domain. Mm. It is primarily an underground criminal industry based on the principles of supply and demand. And as I mentioned earlier, it's an extreme form of human degradation. Human trafficking is a place for human beings created in the image of God with potential, just like you and I, to be regenerated and redeemed and you know, live an abundant life, are imprisoned and held in bondage. And I think, you know, Hollywood and movies tend to sensationalize this. Um, We tend to picture women, you know, in cages or in shackles. And yes, we have met women that have been in those situations. But oftentimes, what holds them in bondage is psychological manipulation and a lot of brainwashing and a lot of emotional control and intentional an intentional creation of isolation and dependence in the life of the victim. 
And so if the church holds the keys to life and to health and to wholeness and possesses the power to conquer evil, you know, then we must go into this mission field to shine Christ's light in His love. And I think, secondly, it's really important for the church to consider that she needs to understand the impact of trauma in the lives of human beings, to be able to see the problem accurately. In my experience working with victims over the last five years, I see how trauma prevents them from hearing. And sometimes we're really quick to be lovey, touchy, feely, huggy. And that's the last thing that a victim of human trafficking wants is Mm. to be touched and hugged. You know, Um, all of their personal boundaries have been violated. And, you know, when someone's been abused their entire life, which is often the backstory of these girls that are trapped in sex trafficking, this abuse is interpersonal. It's repeated. It, and, and it changes them. And I don't mean it simply warps their minds, but it stunts brain development. It, it disrupts physical growth and health. It disrupts healthy human connection. And it degrades worth and values. So these women have a sense of, of, of low, low self-worth and don't understand uh, the potential that they have. And I think we're guilty of a mindset in our culture where we tend to think of things in simple, linear ways. You know, in other words, we scorn the woman that we might see on a street corner in a bad part of town or walking down the corridor of a hotel. And we tend to say, well, you know, it's her fault. She made these choices. And we summate that she's a product of these choices and chooses to be in a life of exploitation. When in fact, she's become a commodity because every human need in her life has been exploited by someone who controls her for a profit. Hmm. And so, you know, these women are the most complex victims of crime that we know of. You know, the psychological manipulation over years and the repeated violence and sexual abuse is, is not only horrific, but most of these girls, at least probably I would say 95% of the women and young girls that we've worked with are fatherless. They're unloved, they're unwanted. And and all of these things started happening to her when, you know, she was two and three and four years old. So we have this, there's always this backstory. And, and I want so badly for the church to open her mind and her eyes to see that we have such an amazing opportunity to go into this mission field and, and to understand what it's like for these girls and these women and to, to stop blaming, you know, to, to start listening and start understanding so that we can appropriately minister to them. Mm. I'm, I'm holding my breath as you speak about this. <laughs> I, it's so devastating. It's, it's devastating. I remember meeting someone who had talked about how her mother had trafficked her for drugs. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, we we need to, we cannot blame, we cannot assume anything. We need to get to know um, the women who have, who are experiencing these terrible, tragic suffering and um, victim, victimization. It's just, it's terrible. And so one of the things that I hear you saying is that we need to to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves, like to oh, look at people and to see yeah. <laughs> them as created in the image of God, and mm-hmm. to to learn to to look at them and put on their skin and try to to enter into their their weeping and their pain, and as they come out of it, I think I, I listened to one lady who once said um, one of the things that Satan would want us to do is to always relate to them in their 
brokenness and not exactly. to not to see them in, as covered in Christ's righteousness when um, she had become a Christian. So there, that's also part of it. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, I think the body of Christ is, you know, we we have been redeemed. We have been restored, um, obviously in a limited way because we're still here on earth. But if you think back to Eden, you know, and how God created this amazing place where we could connect with Him and walk with Him and live in harmony with Him and also live in harmony with others in a selfless way. We were not self-focused. And and this is something that we carry with us, and we carry, um, as we carry the gospel out into the darkness, that we have this opportunity in the, the most beautiful way, even the most smallest of churches in the smallest of communities have this opportunity to bring women into that kind of fellowship. And I think this is one of the greatest areas of healing in the lives of human trafficking survivors. If we can sort of start to break through that trauma and create some peace in her life, that her most primary need is safety and harmonious, healthy relationships. And what we know from psychology and all this new emerging neuroscience is that our brains can change. You know, our bodies can change in response to our changing brain. And the church has this, carries this love that is so powerful and has the ability to wash over other people and begin to soothe their brains, their bodies, their minds, their spirits, and help them begin to walk a new pathway in their life, knowing that they're made in the image of God, that they have a purpose, um, that God has a plan for their life. Um, so I think the church has a really powerful opportunity here across our nation today. As you were talking, I just kept thinking new creation. God, mm. when he saves us, he saves us to the depths <laughs> and we are made yes. new. It's amazing. It's amazing the grace of God and what he does as he transforms our hearts. He transforms our minds and everything about us. He just, mm-hmm. he redeems. And so um, there is such hope in this, um, but there's incredible pain. And so I just, um, I want to equip the church. That's my heart is mm-hmm. that we would, the churches would become equipped for how to engage. So say a church, they listen to this and they're like, I want to start. You started an, a whole organization. Where do you begin? <laughs> Where do you start to serve in your local communities? Because again, this is happening in our backyards. Yes, it is. And I think there's so many practical ways that the church can be the hands and feet of Christ in their community. And I would say the very first you know, like first base, get the facts on your local community. Know what's going on where you live. Uh, talk with law enforcement. Join forces with your local coalition. And if there's not one, what what greater thing can the body of Christ do than lead out and start a local coalition that gathers that learns about the problem, that begins to spread that awareness to the community, and also helps with prevention. You know, we can help as the body of Christ by befriending kids, befriending these young people, working in our youth ministries, helping these kids have those meaningful, supportive connections that they need to develop as people. We can meet practical needs. If there's an organization in your area, look it up. See who's working in this area. Provide 
practical needs. I feel, I feel like the church loves to give clothing and food and and practical things to help people. Um, but one thing that's desperately needed across our nation is shelter. Mm. And a, a people who are skilled in helping these ladies walk along a prescribed pathway out of a life of exploitation. So find those organizations, support them, look for organizations like Her Song that are providing healing services and who have a track record of seeing women and helping women break free of these cycles of abuse. Um, and I, I think that there's just so many practical things that the, that the body of Christ can do. And I think these are great ways to get started in your community. That's great. And that it's not go out and start an LLC. It's uh, right. really, yeah, it's, it's doable, practical, um, being the feet of Jesus as you name. And it's, yeah. it's something that we all could do. And so thank you. Those are really helpful. How, what are some resources that you would suggest, including your own website, any resources mm-hmm. that you would suggest to? Yeah, well, you can check us out at hersongjacks.org. And, and that's J-A-X? Look at the mod- yes, okay. hersongjax.org. And just kind of see what we're doing in our community as far as providing that really practical support for women. Um, and our mission really is healing homes. So we're opening up a network of homes where women can receive those services and more of a long-term approach because that's really what's needed. This is an emerging field. There's some great research out there, but this is a, one of the most practical things that we can do is provide a home with services built into that home for her. And I would say there's great resources out there on the internet. Of course, you can Google anything, but the National Human Trafficking Resource Center has a lot of statistics and articles that you can read. Um, The Polaris Project also has some resources that you can find online. And, you know, if you know of anyone or if someone listening to this podcast is a victim, or Mm. maybe you, you may think that you're a victim, um, you can call 1-888-373-7888, which is the National Human Trafficking Hotline. And again, it's 1-888-373-7888, or text the word HELP to be free. That's B-E-F-R-E-E. And so that's a way that victims can get help. And I would say if there's a victim listening, um, don't give up on seeking help. You're Mm. worth it. And God loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. Keep reaching out for help. And um, hopefully you can make a connection through that hotline for, for services that you need. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Again, I encourage anyone listening to go to the ERLC.com. We have resources there. You can go to um, Rachel's website and her organization. She's given us a ton of resources to to run to, um, but run ultimately to Jesus. And that's my prayer for anyone who's listening and who's either a victim or trying to figure out how to help. Uh, The Lord, I pray, will uh, lead you and help you and guide you in this. Rachel, any last words? Well, thank you so much for this opportunity, and I just hope that I appreciate your podcast because I feel like this is a message that needs to get out in every community, even the smallest one, to the greatest. And so thank you so much for this opportunity to to shine a light on this issue in our world today and 
anybody listening, we covet your prayers as we're going into darkness every day. So Mm -hmm. we thank you for your support. Thank you, Rachel. And we will absolutely pray for you. Well, you have been listening to the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell. I hope you will continue to listen in as we think about how to handle difficult situations in the church. Thank you. Thank you.